0: Good morning and welcome to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR.com. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County, and my guest today is Diana Hess, and our topic is the new exhibition at the Historical Society called Juwanio, Moving Forward, Looking Back, Changing Lives of People with Special Needs for 70 Years. This exhibition highlights Juwanio's seven decades of history advocating for and advancing equal rights for people with disabilities and special needs both within the Rockland community and throughout the Hudson Valley region. The Historical Society of Rockland County is a nonprofit educational institution and principal repository for original documents and artifacts relating to Rockland County. Our headquarters are a four-acre site featuring a history museum and the 1832 Jacob Lawveld House located at 20 Zucker Road in New City. It's listed on the National Register of Historic Places and a designated New York State Path Through History site. And part of our broad and challenging mission is to share the history of Rockland County with the public. And our annual appeal has just closed, and we thank all of the people who supported us to meet our financial needs at the end of our fiscal year. So thank you so much. If you are interested in making a tax-deductible contribution or to become a volunteer at the Historical Society, please visit our website at rocklandhistory.org. Before we begin the program today, I'd like to remind our listeners that this is a call-in show, and we welcome your phone calls. Our phone lines will be open throughout the broadcast, so please call us if you have a comment or a question. We'd love to hear from you. Our number here is 845-429-1700. That's 845-429-1700. Diana Hess is here with me in the studio. Uh, So glad to have you here from Juwanio. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. So before we begin to talk about the exhibition... Could you take a few minutes to tell us a bit about yourself
1: and then for the few listeners who are unfamiliar with Juwanio, tell us about that as well. Well, the first thing I have to do is say hello to my, not old, but my friends Steve Passell and Jeff Lewis. It's like old home week being at WRCR. I had a show here um, decades ago, actually. So a little bit about me. I'm homegrown. I was born and raised in Rockland County and uh, fast forward. I've been with Juwanio for 18 years, starting my 18th year this year. Uh, I'm the chief development officer. Uh, Right now, I am focused on our new project, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, called Building for Tomorrow. Uh, It is the capital campaign. It's a $10 million public effort to raise money for our project on our property in New City, New York. How did the exhibition at the Historical Society come about? The exhibition came about as a result of the fact that Juanio has been here for 70 years. And what we really wanted to do was give people an understanding of Juanio. Many people have talked about Juanio, uh, they know it from Camp Juanio when it first started in 1947. Just to give you a bit of history, can I do that? For sure. Absolutely. Um, thank you. So in 1946 a group of parents took out an ad trying to help their what they called at the time believe it or not spastic children um it was for children with polio children with cerebral palsy and six parents began to uh they took an ad in the journal news and they came together for a physical and recreational opportunity for their children so juanio which is the native american word for independence began in the basement of uh, Suffern. It was originally the Rockland County Center for Physically Handicapped and fast forward the 1940s through the 2000 and where we are 2018. We have a wonderful 70-year history and I'll talk about some of the uh, the services we offer today. So seven decades is a long time. Was it difficult to distill that amount of history into a museum exhibition? Susan Deeks and staff have done a remarkable job, and uh, Richard, who curated the exhibit, really makes Juwanio come alive. You know, it's so interesting. You're embedded in in the daily work of Juwanio, and, you know, I I come today just as the voice of over 1,100 staff who work in Rockland and Westchester counties, and to see the work, really, it it brings the staff's uh, passion and commitment from the 1940s all the way up to today to show how people can truly live lives of independence and explore their potential in a variety of ways. So the timeline takes it from Letchworth Village all the way up to today. It's it's uh, pretty incredible.
0: So the exhibition does follow a timeline format, with the beginning in in
1: 1947. Give us a little bit more about the beginning, the early days of Juaneo. So the early days of Juanio like I said, were primarily focused on children. And they were focused on children with physical uh, handicaps. So they were uh, located at Juanio like I said, after the classroom uh, in, in the basement of the old Suffern School. And it became a place in New City on 16 and a half acres where children would be able to really have a place where they could be just like everyone else. And that's kind of where we are today, that we are still in that place in society where you know, we wanna integrate and we wanna break down barriers and reduce stigma in the mental health area. But in the beginning, it was really a place for fun and recreation and uh, therapies. And then over the next
0: 10 years, up until about the 60s, it really expanded significantly. So tell us about that and what
1: came next. When you go to see the exhibit at the Rockland County Historical Society, you'll see pictures from Margaret Bork-White. I think you can't start with Juwanio until you talk about deinstitutionalization as well, because we had the children's programs. But in the 60s and 70s, that's when the deinstitutionalization began to take place. So we do still have one of our uh, folks who lives in our Fisher home, uh, which was one of the earliest uh, uh, integrated homes into the community, it's called an IRA. And what Cliff has been able to do is live a quality of life that he would not get if, if it was an institutional setting. So in the 60s and 70s, programs began to develop throughout the country. Uh, we then became part of uh, the Cerebral Palsy Associations and we were known as the, part of the Cerebral Palsy uh, Society. And so what happened was all of the programs that have grown today started out as, and people may have heard this, workshop. So people would come out and do work. It, it was sort of in a um, uh, factory-like setting. People really enjoyed coming to work. Um, they did a lot of uh, piece work. Um, and people would go out and find uh, businesses that would need packaging or, or shipping or distribution. So that was one aspect. And in the 60s and 70s, we still had Camp Juwanio. I neglected to say that Juwanio was the first uh, overnight sleepaway camp for children with disabilities as well. So as the needs grew, and this is what we always say, we meet the needs of the people that we serve. As the needs grew, whether it was jobs or uh, vocational programs. That's what really took place in the 60s and 70s. And then in the 80s, that's when early intervention came along. And that's when a lot of the other programs came about. So it really was that shared vision that
0: kept kept it going and expanding. And then the need. I mean, the needs just grew and
1: therefore Juanio grew. Is that right? That's correct. And you know, it's not just physical disabilities that we um, treat. Uh, we have a variety of programs. Uh, if if people just gain one bit of understanding of what Juwanio is and what separates us uh, in terms of the unique uh, aspect of how we um, service uh, people with disabilities and their families, which is a very important component, we just don't work with the individual. We work with what's called their circle of supports as well, all of all of the factors that come in, and um, we have a service coordination department for people with DD and also care management for people who are working with mental health challenges. So just to go back a little bit, we've had four executive directors in 70 years, which is incredible. The cool thing about yesterday at the Historical Society was two of the daughters of our first medical director, Dr. Edward Leahy, came to the exhibit, and um, we've only had one other medical director since, um, in the 35 years since he retired, so it's, it's uh, pretty incredible. But all of the uh, programs that have developed, again, as you said, have come out of meeting the needs of uh, people with disabilities and mental health challenges.
0: You're listening to WRCR.com and Crossroads of Rockland History. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County, and my guest today is Diana Hess. And our topic is the new exhibition at the Historical Society called Juanio Moving Forward, Looking Back, Changing Lives of People with Special Needs for 70 Years. This exhibition highlights Juanio's seven decades of history, advocating for and advancing equal rights for people with disabilities and special needs, both within the Rockland community and throughout the Hudson Valley region. Just as a reminder, the phone lines are open and you can call us with a comment or a question anytime. We'd love to hear from you. Our number here is 845 429 1700. That's 845 429 1700. As the organization moved forward to the end of the 20th century, it remained a leader in the field. It's always been a leader in the field. It's really been at the forefront. So tell us a little bit about that. As we
1: met the needs of, of the people we serve, we grew the program. So we had the workshop, but the workshop closed about 10 years ago. So we had to be creative and we had to say, how are we still going to work with people and give them the dignity and respect of of coming to a program even though that it still wasn't a job, per se. So what we were able to do through very creative uh, senior leadership at our uh, agency is to be able to move people into a variety of programs, and we wanted to make sure that they were, quote-unquote, okay with where they were going. So now we have developed a series of day programs where people are in the community, they're learning social skills, they're learning volunteer skills, etc. And then we also have for people who are um, in either day programs or or going to work, um, we have a variety, a menu, if you will, of residential settings. So say that there are a complex, fragile, Uh, folks in one home, say in Palisades, New York. And then there are more uh, folks that that I would call for fun, uh, the frat house, which is young men who have grown up together. They live in the community, they go to their day programs and they go to work. Then we have apartments, which were one of the first in the nation that are supported apartments that are smart. Some are smart apartments where the sink goes up and down, it can fit a wheelchair, etc. But people go to work, they take the bus, they come back, they socialize. You know, like I said, it's it's uh, integrating people in the community and using the word integration now, strategic integration is a very big topic for us right now. And what that means is we're able to integrate people who have met perhaps both the developmental diagnosis and the MH diagnosis with a medical component. Cornerstone Family Healthcare is now sort of the hub for our medical and uh, mental health services. So all of the places and pieces of of an individual that needs to be cared for, uh, Juwanio has this unique agency that has the ability to treat both DD and MH with a medical component. That's something very different that is done here in Rockland and Westchester counties.
0: So you mentioned it earlier, but there is a group of photographs in the exhibition by Margaret Bourke-White we have displayed those before when we celebrated the 100th anniversary of Letchworth. That was part of the, the exhibition. But these photographs, I mean, of course, Margaret Burke White is one of the most important photographers of the 20th century. These are beautiful photographs. And it really is, as you said, a good jumping off point. Tell us a little bit more about how the closure of Letchworth impacted the beginning of Juwanio.
1: Well, I, I think the closing of Letchworth and the closing of Staten Island and, and, you know, New York was very far ahead in that movement of deinstitutionalization. And I think, you know, just as an aside, you know, Letchworth was on 2,300 acres and Rockland Psych on 600 acres. So if you think about that in terms of Rockland County, it's over five miles of five square miles of, of facilities and Juwanios on 16 and a half acres. So you're taking all of those folks and you're uh, moving them out into the community because you want the least integrated setting, and that's what the courts said. So as uh, Letchworth deinstitutionalized, we took folks from Letchworth. And the thing is about Letchworth is, you know, you've heard these terrible stories of some parents were never able to see, did not want to see their children. Some parents were never able to see their children. And, again, you know, you see this sort of bucolic setting of Letchworth, but when you see the Margaret Bork white photographs and you see the shoes, you know, just that shoes picture, it's breathtaking because you realize all of the children that put on those shoes mm-hmm. and that were taken care of. So I think it sort of follows the 70-year he- history of Juaneo. You know, you look at how people were treated again and what we felt about people with, with disabilities they were hidden, you know, and we don't want people in hiding. We want people to be able to be out in society, to flourish, to grow as much as they possibly can, and that's what Juanio does. It gives people that opportunity to be as independent and reach their highest potential. Talk about the scope of services that you provide. Like I said, if, if there's one takeaway from this interview today, it's juanio has a lifespan services uh, model. If a child is not reaching their developmental benchmarks and the parents or caregivers take them to a pediatrician, a pediatrician could refer them to audiology, let's say, at Cornerstone right now for a hearing test. A hearing test could uh, detect some developmental delays. So if there are speech delays or physical delays, etc., we would start in early intervention. After early intervention, juanio has a special education preschool. We also have UPK and uh before and after school care for school-aged children. So we go now from infants, toddlers to preschoolers. Then we go to the juanio summer education program which um... i hope i get a couple of minutes to talk to you about the new building and what the phase one and phase two is of the new uh... the new juanio but we go from school age to summer program which is six weeks five to twenty one and then after that uh... people can choose if they meet the uh... criteria to go into day programs in the community living with us in residential services going into volunteer programs like i said in the day services and also uh, employment. Juwanio has employed over 5,000 people since 1989 in Rockland and Westchester. They also are served in the uh, mental health system with our PROS program, which is a recovery-based program in our Juwanio tech facility. After that, we have a seniors program. And again, the older population can be with us in the seniors program, in the community, and living with us. So we have programs all the way from zero to end of life. And the the organization's
0: expanded geographically as well. I mean, for starting out with that group of parents in Suffern,
1: I mean, it's really the lower Hudson Valley and is it beyond that even? Well, you know, we've gotten a lot of national attention. Many of our staff have been asked to speak about uh, the variety of services and, the, and the, uh, the unique services that we provide to really a, a, a population that, like I said, many folks in Juwania either have DD or MH or both, and that's what, that's what we take care of. But we've expanded since 2000 into Yonkers Uh, as well as into uh, the upper portion of New City, Uh, but we're moving the folks from that building back into the New City uh, new building, so everybody will be under one roof.
0: The exhibition, including that timeline and those Margaret Bourke
1: white photos, also includes some beautiful artwork. Tell us a little bit about that. The artwork is done by our folks. Some, some are three-dimensional, some are uh, paintings, some are jewelry. It's a wonderful way to give people the opportunity to express themselves creatively there's no way that I would be able to do some of that work that they do. They're incredible artists, and they are encouraged by our wonderful staff to be able to take the opportunity to create. In our um, behavioral health program, there is a variety of artwork as well as our uh, day programs. And that art show that is at the exhibit now has also been shown at the uh, New City Library each May that we show that uh, the exhibit at the library as well but the exhibit at the historical society is quite large and you can see every piece and the way it was curated is is really beautiful.
0: Giovanni is really poised for a significant
1: transformation right now. Tell us a little bit about that. So this is where our agency exhaustion and exhilaration comes in at the same time. We are building a brand new 70,000 square foot building on the footprint of our 16 acres in New City. We are expecting the construction for the new building to be completed at the end of 19, uh, early 2020. Uh, We were uh, grateful for a state grant that kind of kicked it off uh, from the governor and the legislature. Um, who are wonderful partners for Juwanio, but we are really, really hopeful that through the um, generosity of our community, that we are able to raise the $10 million that we need for the public campaign. And we think that they're, you know, based on the fact that we treat 10,000 people per year, and we've done it over 70 years with thousands of people, we're hoping that people who are out there who have had, um, you know, a speech... Uh, therapy session or someone who's come to juanio for camp or work there that we're hoping that all of us are in the pool if you will and right now the construction that's going on is for phase one which is the new juanio we have three cabins that are going up they're beautiful um, with our with our therapeutic swimming pool that is still there the new camp summer education program will be ready to go in july Um, but like I said, we would love for people to come over for a tour. The rendering's available on our website, uh, at juanio.org. You can see a hyperlapse of the construction right now. So really, um, it's, it's back to the future. It's caring for people in the same way, uh, with better tools, but we need, you know, I've, I've said this recently that, Juaneo is the Tappansee Bridge of the not-for-profit world because it's really lived, it's outlived its life, and we really need everybody's help.
0: Tell our listeners how they can get involved with this new expansion.
1: The first thing that I would offer is for people to give me a call at Juaneo. It's uh, 708-2000, or visit visit us on the website and take a look at the uh, the campus transformation. But I would suggest that people come from a to- come for a tour first. They should go see the historical society exhibit, and then they can get a sense of the history, and then come over to Juwanio and take a tour. But I really must say that the most important thing is that people with disabilities and mental health challenges um, are always going to be part of our society. Each one of us has deficits. Each one of us has strengths. And Juanio really is a very strength-based organization. And in order to provide the services that we need to for the next 70 years, we need to have a facility that is able to be as efficient and as as singularly focused on each person to be able to create the opportunities that they need to, to not only live and work in society, but to be able to... Uh, engage and, and have the best life that they can possibly live. So we really need this new facility. This old facility has been there since the 60s, and we, re- we really need everyone's help. Yesterday, the exhibition officially opened
0: with a yes. reception, and there was a great turnout. Uh, yes. Tell us a little bit about that. And as you went through the exhibition, the things that people really were responding to well, what, what people liked when they saw the exhibition.
1: You know, when people look at Juwanio, uh in that setting, you know, they see coming from Letchworth and, and seeing all of the, uh, from, from the decades and from the original groundbreaking and all of that, um, it's like peeling an onion. People have one view of Juwanio, they may have come in one door for a service, but they don't understand the expanse of the service, the width and the depth of the services. And I think the Historical Society, in terms of the way they curated it, and the Board of Trustees, many of who were there, and the staff really put together an exhibition that captures the scope of the work and sees really the history of people with disabilities because even though Giovanni has been on the forefront, it really is a societal issue on how we are approaching this one segment of society. And all of us, like I said, have a variety of abilities. This just really focuses people on, on the segment of the population that we're here uh, to care for and to help. Over the weekend, there was a,
0: a situation that occurred up in uh, Haverstraw with the Dunkin' Donuts and a young woman who wanted to apply for a job. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that situation is very relevant to what Giovanni is doing with creating independent
1: people, going out looking for jobs and so forth? Well, it seemed to be a very, very uh, challenging situation for Chelsea and her family And uh, when I read uh, the article uh, in Low Hud, what I felt was you have to give people a chance. It seemed to me that a wall was put up immediately, uh, seeing Chelsea and her trying to get in there and be, again, just like everyone else. And I, I think I go back to... Um, Juwanio's ability to provide employment opportunities, you have to work with the employers and the employers need to um, become educated on what a person can do versus what they can't do and what the fears are. Because if you don't know someone's abilities, how can you make an assessment without, without speaking to them and talking to them without judgment? And like I said, for our employment program, we have job coaches who go to the, uh, place of business and work with the employers. And we have a number of progressive employers. If 300 people a year are placed in jobs at Juanio we do a pretty good job of that. And again, I think it's incumbent upon Dunkin' Donuts and any other employer who would like to come over and talk to our empl- employment, uh, services and job coaches, it would be incumbent upon them to take that first step. I'm thrilled that there's an opportunity for people who don't know
0: about Juwanio or only know a little tiny piece of it because it it has affected them. This exhibition really gives a sense of just the history and the expansiveness of the services and the scope of what you're doing. So it's a wonderful exhibition, and I certainly hope everybody comes over. We are at the end of our time. The exhibition at the Historical Society is called Juwanio, Moving Forward. Looking back, changing lives of people with special needs for 70 years. It highlights Juanio's seven decades of history, advocating for and advancing equal rights for persons with disabilities and special needs within Rockland and throughout the region. So I'd like to thank you, Diana Hess, for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. So the exhibition will be on view through the end of October. The exhibition hours are Wednesdays through Fridays and Sundays from noon to 4 p.m. We also will be open by appointment if there is another time that would be more convenient for you. We can certainly uh, make special arrangements. And if you have a group, we certainly can arrange that as well. So keep in mind that all of the information that we discussed today, as well as a recording of this broadcast, will be available at our website, rocklandhistory.org. And I hope you will tune in to the next episode of Crossroads of Rockland History. That'll be Monday, May 21st, right after the Steve and Jeff Morning Show. So visit our website at the Historical Society to find out all about the other wonderful events and programs we have on tap. That website, again, is rocklandhistory.org. Follow us on Facebook, where we have a growing group of friends and fans. You can also find us tweeting on Twitter, blogging on Tumblr, and posting on Instagram. And don't forget that many of our broadcasts are archived at rocklandhistory.org. Just go to our landing page and type Radio Programs in the search box. I'm Claire Sheridan, and thanks for listening to Crossroads of Rockland History on wrcr.com.